Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Ade. And this is Black Ticulate. Black Ticulate. Black Ticulate. A podcast series that gives voice to positive black action, no matter how big or small. Hey guys, um, welcome to another episode of Black Ticulate, a podcast series featuring young UK black professionals extracting exactly how they do what it is they do so you can too. What the hell does that mean? Great question. <laughs> it pretty much means I always try and find young black professionals and ask them exactly how they do what they do. So if you were considering a role within that profession or that industry, then at least you know one way of getting into it, the way my guest did. Also, I asked some questions like, what makes a success? What sort of personalities, characteristics, patterns, habits, traits? Do you need or does someone need who's looking to get into that profession? Uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the expression. And if you're not, this is one of my favorite expressions, which is raise that tide. So all boats lift. And I'm really just trying to make sure our community, we can all help each other. So the guests I have, they are amazing. They're go-getters, they're successful within their own profession. And they're pretty much teaching you, us, how to do what it is they do. So, today's episode, what do we have? Now, we have a gentleman called Damola. Now, Damola, as you can tell by the name, is a Nigerian 30-year-old man. He actually did give us his age, so I can put it out there. And he's a strategist for BBH, which is a creative agency. Now, if you don't know what a strategist does, this episode is for you. If you don't know what a creative agency does, this episode is for you. And Damola really, really is insightful. And I've never come across someone who has such a cadence with the way he speaks. But it's like just really measured to the point where he gives you great advice on not just how to get into the creative industry as a black person, which can be quite troublesome because the industry is known for being quite homogenous and I dare say white. But he also pretty much gives you great advice on how to get any job. And he himself is very entrepreneurial. He did, and I think something that he does mention, which is great, is he created X Factor um, before X Factor existed. And he's just done a lot of things, which I think you guys will find interesting. And if it's not, please give me any form of feedback. Comment on our social media platforms. Or email privately if you want to. Um, anything else to say? No, just really and truly enjoy this episode. And you guys are amazing. And I wish you, if you don't listen to this episode, but just this beginning, I wish you guys a very Merry Christmas and best of luck in the 
New Year. Okay, peace. All right, boom, 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 boom. We finally made it. Damola, we finally made yeah. it. Geez, a long time coming. Now, I want to say to the audience, you are not ready. You are not ready for this conversation. <laughs> but I don't know, they most likely are ready. Okay, so guys, once again, welcome to another episode of Black Articulate. As you know, I have candid conversations with UK black professionals, trying to extract, you know, tools, habits, patterns. So hopefully if you're considering the profession that my guest is doing, then at least you know how to almost navigate it. But again, it's not necessarily going to work for you, but hopefully you get something out of it. So, hey, Damola, um, please throw it out. I normally throw it out at my guests instantly, like, you know, not why you're here, but what do you do? Who are you? Introduce yourself. Let them get a flavor of you. Um, I am 31 years old. I work in advertising as a London-based advertising agency. We're set in one of the newsrooms right now. Um, it's called BBH. I used to be a banker. I made the transition. I'm not as... Um, actually, I was going to say I'm not as done and boring as a banker slash accountant okay. usually is, but I don't want to offend <laughs> anyone out there that is is listening to this, considering that career because it works for many people. It just for didn't sure. work for me. I'll get some bankers and they'll 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 fight you. Don't worry about it. They'll fight you. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's interesting for the right people. Wasn't that interesting to me? But anyway, so yeah, I'm 31 years old. I work in advertising in London. Live in London. Play in London. Um, and enjoy my time both working and everything else in the city. So it's been, it's been kind to me. And um, what am I doing here? Speaking to you, I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, you've, you've literally answered it so thorough. It's crazy. Well, like, you know, I like to I, be thorough. Yeah. I throw it to loads of my guests. And they'll just be like, um, I do this. And I'll be like, okay, so let's find out how you got here. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I like it. You threw your age, you know, you threw your industry. Just in case people from. wanted to know, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, like... I guess I'm sat here with you today because a friend introduced us. Shout out. Natasha Litton. Bing, bing. A WeWork um, right. celebration. Yeah, yeah, so she was there hard at her graph selling, selling, selling. Oh, really? Okay, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> she was like, you've got to order. You've got to order. You've got vouchers here. You know, use my coupons. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, she's a hustle. blast, aren't I? No, 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 no. She's, she, she'd be like, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. Um, but yeah, no, she's cool. So yeah, I guess. And then she 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 put put us in contact. Yeah, because cool. I mentioned my podcast and, you know, she was starting to get into podcasts and she thought you'd be a brilliant guest. Little uh, did she know. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So let's backtrack. Damola, it's Nigerian, right? Mm-hmm. Were you born there or were you born here? No, I was born in Hammersmith in London. And you pretty much lived in London all your life? Uh, yeah, for the most part. So, you know, born in London, lived in London for a bit. Family then moved out to Kent because of school. Get close to school, blah, blah, blah. Most people understand why. <laughs> school need to be close to it. Um, went to university in Leeds, so went up north. Came back down south, did a master's in London, went back up to Scotland, or went to Scotland to work, came back to London, um, and I've been here ever since. So I've, I've okay. you know, you've travelled. You're, you're, been, you're, been around. You're, you're travelled UK, man. Um, what would you study? Um, I studied accounting and finance. So okay. um, Hence banking was yeah. your almost yeah, yeah. the natural progression. Yeah. yeah. So why, why didn't you enjoy it? Um, Can you see the questions? I'm trying to join the dots as to why. Yeah, you, yeah. How, how did I end up in advertising, having studied accounting and finance? Yeah. I guess growing up, I was always interested in 
the creative arts. I did a lot of theatre. I did a lot of creative things. I was interested in... Like acting theatre? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I used to act and dance, all of that, you know. <laughs> you know, Reese slash RS would be like, yeah, triple threat. Okay. I was, I was, that was a bit of a triple threat. I used to, you know, <laughs> dance, sing, act. Yeah. I wasn't bad at math. Oh damn! Okay. So yeah, I did a lot, and then um, no, I, I I just enjoyed doing creative things, and um, always tried to express myself. Was it beating out with you? Well, beating might not be the right word because you're. I don't know if you can say that these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, be real, because you enjoyed it. So why not pursue that? Yeah, no, I, but I, I enjoyed and I was good at quite a few things. Right. Um, but the focus was always education, but. Not necessarily education for the sake of education, but education for the sake of future stability and all of that stuff. So naturally, that being the objective, how can we make sure that you know this boy is able to survive in the world, right. in this country, and the rest of it? Um, that was your parents' objective. Yeah, yeah. And what is the best way to do that? Was was that was what drove their kind of guidance? And it was like, right, actually, focus on your education, do something that you're reasonably good at and that will lead you to a future that is prosperous. That's that's the sole objective. And I never really personally pushed a, I want to work in the creative arts. Right. It, wasn't, it wasn't something that I I chased as a profession. Or you didn't person. see it as a profession, you just I, enjoyed doing it? I just, I just enjoyed doing it and I didn't really, I never said to myself, I want to do this for a living. Right. Um, and I could have probably, you know, done other things straight off the bat, you know, could have gone to university and done specific things. But I was the one who pursued internships in finance as in my teens. I was the one who went and, you know, my parents and my family, actually, they went to Brazil on the holiday. I think I was, maybe I was 16, maybe 17, I can't remember. But they went to Brazil on holiday and I was like, I want to work. So I went and interviewed, got myself a job. In fact, that, that summer... I was like, I'm determined to work and I want to, I want to earn some money. Nice. And um, I went and interviewed at McDonald's. Okay. And I got the job. This was McDonald's in Blue Water. So biggest shopping centre in, in Europe <laughs> at the time. Yeah, Blue Water in Canada. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And I was like, okay, cool. Interviewed there. They gave me the job. Got the uniform. And then the day before my first day, I was like, I can't do this. Okay. So I didn't turn up to that that gig Your first. I was like you know what I just I, no the uniform put you I, I mean I kept the uniform I kind of liked it but I was just like you know what this is not what I'm passionate about and right. if it's for the sake of making money um, but also gaining experience let me you know do something else so I ended up working at Bupa in the head office in the legal team okay. and I did that for like three weeks in the legal team so that was at the age cool. of 16, 17 I think I was 17 right. Um, but you know that was cool prior to that I'd worked at the FSA the Financial Services Authority for like a week or two weeks or something like that how are you getting into these sort of organisations I mean I'm quite quite fortunate having you know family or family friends that were in those places and you know what the only thing that I needed to do was to ask and express an interest and say actually you know what I'd like to see what it's like in this place and my parents didn't stop me they're like fine go and do it and I had no issue you know, making that happen. Is that, um, that's a common occurrence I find anyway, personally, like it's nepotism, you know, it's almost a case of who you know to get into certain spaces. 
Oh, I mean, okay, without, yeah. trying to, without trying to be disrespectful, but I think that's an art form as well. Like, you have to learn how to network, right? To get yourself in spaces. Would you agree? Yeah, point? yes. But I think, so never was the opportunity presented to me as an opportunity. And then I went, yeah, cool, I'll go do that. Okay. Um, it was always a, oh, auntie or this and that. What do you do? Well, that sounds interesting. Can I come and like, work yeah. shadow you for, for a week? And the reason why I bulk at the, the word nepotism is that it suggests preferential treatment. Yeah, as if you haven't earned it. To an extent. But I don't see it as preferential treatment as such. It's allowing someone to seize an opportunity. They, all they said was yes. They would have said yes to anyone else who asked them for that opportunity. Right. I'm pretty sure if they knew that that person was serious and was capable of doing the job. So the lesson I take from that is you need to be willing to ask and you need to be able to demonstrate your capability and competency at the point when the opportunity is given to you. And I had done that previously and I think that that approach has been what I've continued to to use in my career. But... I think there there is a very thin line between that and nepotism, which is we're only going to give people who have access to that opportunity the chance to enter in. Um, but there has to be an element of people seeking these opportunities out. Yeah, I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, I don't I don't disagree. But I think the um, the wheels oiled a little bit nicely or oh, nicer. Yeah. Well, do you know? I can see. I've I've been yeah. So I think there's. Absolutely easier passage, definitely. Yeah. But without the person walking to that door, no one's going to open it. If you don't walk to the door, knock on it, yeah. nothing happens. So how do you get people on the inside, do you know what I mean, to help you? I think it's quite easy these days, to yeah. be honest. Okay, give us advice, please. I, th- I, think, I think what I didn't have when I was growing up and looking for these opportunities was information about the people who held the key to those doors right um prior to the you know to the so actually after the experience of bupa after the experience of the fsa um myself and a friend we set up a small little not even business it was just a thing we wanted to do we were going to ecuador for a summer for a month with nice. a bunch of our friends yeah it was cool and Again, I said to my parents, look, I, I want to do this thing. I want to go to Ecuador for a month and just hang out there. It was like, again, I was around 17, 10 and 18. So I was still quite young to be doing that. But it's like, it's a cool thing to do. And your um, parents were on board with that? It took me, it, I had you to pursue I had to really, I mean. <laughs> I'd love to see that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I had to really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had to properly persuade them. I was like, look, this is going to be good. This, this will be good for me. Right. And then it's like, how much is it going to cost? Into the thousands. I'm like, hmm? don't worry i'll find a way to make the money which i did right but beyond you know finding opportunities and organizations to work in order to get experience and make money i was like right okay i'm gonna try and find a way to make money for myself me and my friends set up this little production company and we basically ran what was a kind of precursor to x factor across north west what what are you talking about explain precursor to x factor it's talent shows talent shows we were like right okay yeah we're going to run talent shows and we're going to invite people to come and watch the performances and then people are going to judge 
and then you're going to have performances in the interval at the beginning and at the end. And you charge people for this? Yeah. Amazing. What was it called? Star Search. So the, Is the, that, there's the, something... There's a, there's a Star Search in, it, back in the day in America, there was a program called Star Search, right. like really, really old. And we essentially adapted that model and said, right, let's, let's run these talent contests. Hmm. Um, and we did that. We, you know, we made money, but that was like, let's ask the question. Let's do the legwork. Let's make sure that we can actually, you know, make these things happen. And we, you know, we went and asked people, can you sponsor this? Okay, cool. Can you present? So we've got a local radio station presenters to come and host the show. We just need to ask a question. Got some label guys to send their like up and coming talent to come perform, and they're like, "Yeah, fine." But the first thing you is, make that sound so simple. It is was, it? You no, know, it was very hard because the thing that you the thing that you have to think about is how do I get access to the people that will give me these things, right? Whether it's access to people who will give me, you know, talent, or give me money, it will give me access to a venue, rah 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 rah, rah or to a job. Right. And I guess the point is these days it's a hell of a lot easier than it was then because there's this thing called the internet and there's this thing called LinkedIn. Right. And all we, literally, that person, that opportunity is a couple of clicks away. Yeah. So if I wanted a job in the BBH, the first thing I would do as a 17-year-old is go to their website, look for an email. But to be honest, that's not the smartest way in. Okay. Smartest way in is you go to LinkedIn, you search BBH and you find someone in that long list of names and you message them and you ask them, not, can I have a job? It's like, tell me about what you do. And then if they respond, which a lot of people probably would, that is your opportunity to go, I'm not asking you for a job, I want to understand what happens inside this building. Mm-hmm. And that understanding is information you can use to then plot your next move. If I know that this is what happens inside this building, my next conversation is, right, I understand what happens in this building, how do I fit into that? And what's the next what's the next step and and so for me it's all about just finding the information that allows to have to have those conversations ask the questions ask the question they can only say no if they say no go somewhere else and they might say yes yeah, that's amazing and i don't think many people think like that like at all with all due respect i mean i think a lot of people they don't want to do the legwork if that's fair as you've just alluded to it's very easy it's almost two clicks away to be in front of the gatekeepers mm. for whatever better word so at the moment we've got you like you know you're triple threat or quadruple threat you know <laughs> that was a joke you're very actually humble actually know you personally you're very humble so we've now gone to university we've um, studied finance and then you decided from that you were going to go into banking or was there something in between because i think you, you had a startup didn't you not immediately so basically okay. uh, after I graduated, went back to London, did my master's, and then after my master's, master's in strategy and ah, entrepreneurship. Okay. So now that to me seems more of a fit insofar as where we currently find yeah, ourselves. Yeah, exa- exactly. So I mean, that whole thing of going from accounting and finance, doing that communications and democracy officer role, and then doing my master's in something broader was essentially me testing the, water, testing the waters for things outside of the financial world, but not fully committing to um, going in that direction at that stage. So I was like, I've done my undergrads. My parents were like, you know, it's a secure job. They'll pay you money. Go, you know, pursue it. Mm-hmm. So I did. So I got a job in banking. I've done like banking internships and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and I did the 
This was throughout your uni, like the internships, or yeah. was it straight posts when you had time? Uh, no, it was throughout, throughout university, actually. Okay, so gotcha. I, I spent my summers um, working, working. getting experience, for sure. Exactly. exactly. You'd, you'd highly recommend that, I think. I mean, it's probably the best thing that you can do if you are serious about getting a job after university. Yeah. Get some experience. Um, and the experience as relevant as you can as it can be to what you want to do afterwards if that if you know what that is yeah if you don't any experience will do but i think it gives you an idea of what working actually means right when 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 you're in an environment where things are expected of you it's not just on your time it's on someone else's time and that time equals money you realize that work is a very different place than what you imagined it if you've never been in a work environment before so yeah i, I would thoroughly recommend it and not just internships as well I'd go and go and do real work I, I worked in clinton cards one christmas that was that was that was real work <laughs> that must be hard as well that must be the busiest time christmas yeah it's horrible <laughs> like, yeah it's horrible you're like having to reorganize cards every 10 minutes and someone picks up one card here drops it there and you're like <laughs> I worked in JD Sports when I was 16. Oh, you know, that was, yeah. again, Everything, that yeah. was work, hard work. And I mean, retail's a good environment for you to understand the demands, really, of like, the oh, consumer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, big time. And yes. just having to try and make things look or represent the brand and the company, mm. I guess. Mm. So, okay, so I'm with you now. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm loving these dots now. You've got um, the Masters in Strategic Communication. Mm-hmm. And then you worked, obviously, for, what was it, a year or plus in the banking? Yeah, it was about two years. Okay, so you, but you stopped. Why? Um, there, was, there was a transition. I know, was this the startup aspect? Before no, 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 not even, no, not Dang. even that. So that, that. You've got many hats. I've done a lot of things in a short period of time. And that's not necessarily a good thing either. Was it a bad thing? You said it's not necessarily well, a good no, thing. Well, there, no, there are definitely... Pros and cons, everything, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, there, 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 there are definitely things or implications of doing several things in a short space of time. Okay. But um, I left I left banking, I looked around, I, one, I didn't enjoy the work, two, the, the timing wasn't probably the best timing. Okay. Um, so I started my career in banking pretty much the day the credit crunch started. Right, so yeah. in, the, in the line of work that I was doing- It was 2008. Is this a housing crash or what? Not a bubble burst? Yeah, around, yeah, was it 2008? Yeah, about that time. Right. About that time. There was no equity in the market. So working in, I was working in private in the private equity department within the bank. And it's like, if there's no equity, there's no movement, there's nothing interesting really happening. So I wasn't really enjoying the dynamics of the, of the job. Mm. I realized it didn't really suit my skill set. Okay. I can do it, but you know when you're like forcing it. Yeah. I was forcing it. I was really forcing it and I wasn't enjoying that. And I knew that I could do other things better than I was doing this job. Right. So there was that in terms of skill set and fits. I was like, mm, this isn't quite, this isn't quite it. You know, put my finger on what it was. It was. And I got incredibly bored. And no one likes to be bored at work. No. And then on top of that, I looked around and I was like, I don't want to be any of these people when I'm 14. So, you know, you're surrounded by people that are older than you. They have their lives, their wives, and their, you know, their, their, their whatever it is they do. House, kids. All of that. Yeah. I'm like, fine. All of those things are things that I want, you know, I aspire to have. But the way in which you experience those things in your life is not what I want to experience in my life at that stage. Right. Um, I don't want to have the same mentality as you in terms of what you appreciate. When I was in the bank, I was always, I was a little bit more 
creative and maybe flamboyant than the other people that started up when I was, you know, I'd go to work wearing a tweed jacket and I'd be like, this guy wearing tweed before. I'd have like, I remember one time wearing like purple jeans. Like, you know, we'll, we'll all go out together and I'm this guy wearing purple jeans and this weird jacket. I'm like, okay. Or, you know, whatever. It's just, just being different wasn't what was unusual in that setting. Yeah. And being a little bit more creative was again, you know, different in that kind of setting. And I was in a, a very uncreative industry in finance. Some people would argue it's creative, but not in a way that I enjoyed or perceived creativity. Okay. So I, I didn't enjoy that. And so you're looking around in the market and landscape. Seeing... I, I was like, I want to do something more creative. Right. And I, don't, I was like, what can I do? I'm not an artist. I'm not going to be, I mean, I'm not going to become an artist. That's yeah. It nonsense because I can't paint I can't draw I can't do any of those things I right. picked up photography actually whilst I was working in banking which I pursued quite um, seriously or I continue to um, you still did yeah yeah, okay. yeah 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 and I've made something of that but um, yeah I was no artist but I enjoyed creativity so I looked for an industry that was able where I would be able to combine my creative side with my commercial I guess acumen that I'd you know picked up over time working in the bank and my background. What do you mean by commercial acumen? Do you mean business sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. like advertising is where creative meets commerce. Precisely. Okay. In, in my mind, because we're here to sell these agencies, we help brands, we help brands create desire for their products, and therefore people then buy them. Mm. But we do so in a creative way. Seems like a good fit. It felt like. The best fit. But you know what? I remember sitting down and chatting to a, a good friend of mine. And, you know, like, I want to leave banking funds. I need to leave this thing. It's like, what will you do? And I was like, I don't know. Um, you know, he was working in the marketing department at the time. And I always knew, like, marketing could be a thing I, I Right. I but do. in the finance industry, he was working oh, in marketing. Well, no, just in general. Oh, he was just marketing. He was, freelance? No, he was a marketeer. He was working at Mars at the time. Ah, gotcha. So, um, brand in their marketing grad school. So I had some kind of understanding of marketing as a, as a thing that you can do. And I'd worked as a communications officer at Leeds. So I was like, like, comms is a thing. Marketing is a thing. Could I go into marketing? If so, what kind of marketing would I get into? And I was, me and Pfizer at university tried to set up this kind of, we, we tried to set up a web web design business. So we build websites for small to medium sized companies. If we'd taken that anyway seriously, we'd be very rich right now, but we didn't. Yeah. There's just a thing to put on our CV so we can apply to a bank and they look at us, we're entrepreneurial <laughs> and we're like enterprise and we can do yeah. things. We should have taken that seriously because back then that wasn't a thing. If, it, if we had continued, we'd have built a very, very successful agency, but we didn't and that's fine. I know. Um, <laughs> but you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing hindsight is a bitch yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you look back I look back on several things I thought about or started and half-heartedly kind of pursued and then dropped and then is this a pattern of you oh yeah no it's definitely it's definitely a common thread in in, yeah definitely common thread but no regrets really but yeah marketing was a thing I thought right let me try and find something I enjoyed we've done this internet thing and I was what you know into computers into digital into the internet I was like, right, let me find a place that's doing something interesting in marketing and digital and whatnot. I bumped into a friend of mine in training. She was working for a, a digital agency. I can't remember what it's called now. So I kind of had an idea of what this thing was, but it was still opaque to me. Right. Um, so whilst I was still in banking, I, was, I applied to this uh, social media 
agency called a thousand heads yeah i know them um and i can't even remember what i'd applied to do maybe it was like an account manager or something like this i was like just I'm, wanted to get in there just wanted to yeah i was like i could do that job sort of thing so i could do that work for an interview but like you're you're one you're a banker and you're like, <laughs> no mate forget it um oh really oh yeah you didn't yeah, get the job I didn't <laughs> get, no i didn't i didn't i didn't get the job but then six months later when i was like i'm still serious about leaving this i went back to the website and looked at what they were doing there, there was a job um uh role position for an analyst and i applied and i was like no i'm back right look at that tenacity um and that I can do that job. I do data analysis in my job right now. You're just giving me different data to analyze. I can do this job. Yeah. No problem. Um, and that second time I got, I got, I got the job. Nice. Which is good. Um, and then you're officially in a sort of creative. So I'm now job. in yeah. a creative environment and working in the, in the creative industry. So I've made that transition, quit yeah. my job in banking, go to this place sit there going okay this is kind of cool i can wear what i want to wear i can be who i want to be i can do the kind of work that i think i want to do right i have no idea what what i was doing really but you know I'll, i thought i'd try it and see took a massive pay cut that was horrible um, <laughs> yeah that was horrible yeah i can imagine <laughs> and you know at that point my life essentially my professional life changed right but stayed in banking i'd have been there doing that, my thing get you know payola like getting bankers money and yeah getting some I, change for I, sure. exactly and I'd, I'd be that person working in the bank but fine and i know those people and they're my friends and it's cool but i see their life and i see my now and i definitely go at that point when i made that decision life changed so anyway i worked at a thousand heads for five months five months yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my did stick out the years no i mean <laughs> five months was was enough um five months was enough for various reasons but, right um i like it you're not gonna get into it was it something to do with culture here or, no, or the mean, actual role itself I, so i'd made the transition and i was like i'm an analyst and i'm doing this job and i kind of fine i'm in, i'm you know doing insights reports and i'm you know digging up for insights and looking at what people are saying online and trying to interpret that and make recommendations for what the business and brand should be doing next yeah that's all well and good and i happened to to enjoy elements of it. When I was applying for different jobs from the banking time, mm-hmm. I applied to, or I'd you know, done my research, looked at all these agencies that were doing like digital stuff. One of those agencies was there. Um, yeah. And I'd sent them, you know, like I said, LinkedIn, go to a website, you hunt down these people's names, you find out the email address, you find out the structure of the email, you send them an email and you're like, right, here's my CV, this is what I'm about. I'd emailed a few people at there, um, and no one got back to me. Right. No one got back to me. And I was on my desk one day doing, doing my analyst stuff, and I was bored. Went onto Twitter, and there was a tweet from there saying, junior planner position available. At this point, I would kind of got a better grasp of what the structure yeah. of the agency, the kind of roles are. What well, within them and it's like okay I know that that you know this thing called planning and strategy was probably more suited to my skill set mm. but I hadn't pursued that within the agency I was at at the time anyway I saw this tweet from there looking for junior planner and I was like okay let me tweet back and they're like oh, hey so I'd love to do this did job. you tweet by the 
your personal social handle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Companies? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't was a thousand heads. So like, yeah. Oh, we've like got a guy here who's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> Immediate sack. Gone. But yeah. I, tweet, I tweeted, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm interested. I don't know whether it was before or after I saw that tweet. I'd emailed the first time. There's a blog that was written by a, a lady called Helen Lawrence. Helen Lawrence? Yeah, who was a woman who was heading up the social team at Dare. Okay. And I, you know, responded to... Some of her articles? Uh, one yeah. article that was specifically about looking for a junior player. I was like, look, I'd love to get this job. Here's a link to my CV. And it was on my, my website at the time. Then I saw the... And the, actually, I saw the tweet, responded to that, looked for the job posting, left a little comment on the... Yeah. On the, the blog. Article. I was like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm about... I think I could do this job. Here's a link to my CV. Um, so you came at it from all angles. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll stalk you a little bit. And just like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, I was quite persistent uh, with that and got an interview. So I went to the interview. Um, Helen interviewed me with a guy called uh, Nick Emmel, who was a head of strategy at there at the time. Uh, they grilled me. And it was cool. I enjoyed that. I was like, okay, this, yeah. is, this is robust and they're, they're smart people. And the atmosphere seems, the atmosphere seemed really cool. Um, and I got the job. So five months Sweet. into a thousand heads, I was like, if I'm going to transition, I might as well be doing something within this environment that I actually think I'm good at, not just analysis, which is what I was doing. So, so let me just because, yeah. try and go as far into it as I, as I can. So yeah, I, um, I got the job at, at DARE. Um, as a being, junior planner. As a junior planner and um, specifically focusing on social and digital. And... That was a great, great part of my development and career. As we currently sit, because currently you are still a I'm, planner. I'm still, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, so I'm a planner now. And so that was essentially my kind of, what do they call it? Your path, your rungs, your first yeah, step yeah, to yeah, your Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So that was where I was kind of like learning the ropes. Yeah. Um, okay, well, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you've given us a thorough background. And yes. Let's really talk about planning and your, and you know, what makes success and what doesn't in that sense and we'll take it from there anyway you know this is a conversation mm. so what is planning and maybe you can then contextualize it into bbh like give maybe an example of yeah i mean this is going to seriously expose me because i mean there's a kind of classical approach to strategy and planning and i didn't come into planning from a you know classical brands planner slash strategists do all do most planners do that is i that mean the route yeah, if you were to okay. say, right, I'm, I'm a planner, I'm a strategist, a lot of people go into an agency, they're learning brand strategy, and they come into it from a very traditional point of view. I came into it from a non-traditional route. Yeah, help us out, because um, to define those. I guess. I- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Actually, you know what? Yeah, give me analogies. Uh, <laughs> My man's breaking out his phone. He's going to get yeah, yeah, yeah. the Planet Bible. I mean, Two flies and advertising. Well, as, 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 essentially, I think because if someone's listening to this going, I want to work in this kind of industry and I give them some nonsense definition. That's absolutely fine though. It's your definition and hopefully I'll get others who may potentially um, corroborate or counter it. Yeah. And but, I think you know, it's still, I still really would like to get your oh, interpretation. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my interpretation. But I think it's interesting coming from Actually, I think it's better to explain how a, an agency is structured. Yeah. Because this be is good. the thing that I didn't Forgive understand me. before yeah. I got into this. And people kind of come into it and like, what the hell does, uh, happens in an ad agency? Really simply, you have a combination of teams that come together in order to solve a brand's problem. Those teams are your account team or your client services team. They're the suits. You might hear them being called. Mm. And they're essentially look after the client they under you know they, they are there to look after and understand what the client needs sometimes they're to win business they're to guide the account from a financial point of view process structure structure point of view right like um well that's the way i see it so your suits are there to look after clients keep the team as it were kind of operating effectively and to essentially be there for the client as and when they need what they need. They're the voice of the client within the agency and vice versa, the agency's voice within the client. Yeah, and I think what they do is also help to manage the relationship with with the client. That's the way I see it. For me, the primary thing, you're managing your relationship with someone and the purpose of doing that is so you represent the client's voice within the agency and then you know, represent the agency within within the client business. Yep. So you've got your account team. <clears throat> and then you have your creators. Everyone should know what they do and who they are. They're the people that generate the ideas that people see in the real world. So TV right. ads, banner ads, billboards, print ads, all of those things. Those ideas come from the brains of people that they call creatives. You have producers. Producers essentially translates the creative's ideas into real things. They go, right, your idea is this, right, we'll make it happen. We'll make sure that that vision you had in your, your mind can physically manifest in whatever medium we've decided to put that idea in. And then you have the strategists. The strategists are essentially, in, from my point of view, there to interpret the business problem, or yeah, the business problem that the brand has. So a brand will say, we need to do this, we need to change that, we have a problem with this particular thing. We are there to interpret the problem and provide a solution for the brand. Yeah. Um, and set a direction for the brand that 
takes them from that problem to the solution. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, fundamentally, they're using your brain and your skill sets for you to actually deduce, not only, not deduce, that's not the right word, but for you to provide a solution for their business problem. Yeah. Right? And that could be a plethora of things, you know, be it from launching brand awareness to actually sales bottom line. Yeah. So then you you get the nugget, the, the core insights, and so, then you translate that, or you don't translate it, then you pass it on to the creative department. Yeah, so I guess if you've got a problem, mm-hmm. if the, so the business has a particular problem or a challenge, yes. an opportunity. Yes, articulate is failing, do you know? Yeah, okay, so that's never going to happen. But anyway, <laughs> so there's a problem there. We need someone to help us understand how we solve this problem. Um, part of that solution is not just understanding what the brand black articulators about and what makes it really interesting and distinctive that is compelling for your audience part of the solution is what the hell do people think what do they need what do they want and why does that need or want correlate with what the brand can offer and how do we bring those two things together so i go what is the brand problem how does the brand's offering at the moment address that problem yeah and how does the consumer interact with what the brand offers? So what can I tell the consumer about your brand that will make them go, yeah, I want to listen to Black Ticket. And you're asking, and, that, and what I'm telling you is that you should tell them this specific thing about Black Ticket because I think that is the most compelling thing for the consumer. And obviously you don't plug that off in a, there's a load of data and research done yeah. behind it. Yeah. And I often wonder why like clients themselves in-house don't have those insights. They do. They will have some insights. Mm. They will understand, or they should understand, enough about their brand. They should understand who their consumer is. But our job is to kind of go beyond... Challenge it almost as well. To, 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 challenge, to challenge that understanding, but also go beyond what, you know, what the brand can, can acquire in terms of knowledge about their consumer. Our understanding of the consumer is something that you know, is, is, is one of our strengths as an agency, as a, as a strategist. It's your job to really understand the consumer, but also understand, understand the context in which your consumer is in. Right, yeah. And take that understanding and distill it down to an incredible insight. That's that not easy. So I'm still trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah. And so that, question is, anyone who's listening, what makes a good strategist, specifically in the creative industry, for them to consider this path? Would be something that they might be good at uh, as in what what should they be good at or yeah what skill sets what um not characteristics but mm. actually what skill sets i guess thrive within the professional yeah so i would i would say there are three components of my job and the process that we go through in order to provide strategic advice and support for a client okay it's short term medium term and long term right the more senior you are the more your strategic advice kind of dictates a long-term you know, direction and vision for the brand. Right. Um, and at you know, the junior level, your strategic kind of guidance kind of informs campaigns maybe. Short-term planning, medium-term planning, long-term planning, like selling the vision for the brand is at the top end of that. Okay. But the three components of getting to that would be understanding the consumer, uh, Understanding the consumer is super important because if you are communicating something the consumer doesn't resonate with, then you've kind of lost. You've lost it. Yeah. You're, you're speaking something there. Um, understanding the brand, so really being able to understand how the brand works, what makes the brand interesting and distinctive, and understanding how to 
to take that and communicate it. So what is it about that brand that we are communicating and how do you do it in the clearest way possible and in the most compelling and motivating way possible for the consumer? And then understanding the context of the communications. So I re I'm as a social strategist, which is how I started out, I'm really close to the consumer because you know there are always there's heaps of information and data that come from what people set, talk, talk about online. Yeah. And it's from that I understand what consumers really think and feel about your brand and I can use that understanding to help you tailor and adapt your communications. Yeah, okay, I get um, that. But that comes from an understanding of the context in which people are you know, talking about your brand. Then what makes someone, I guess, it's a difficult question and maybe you might not have the answer to it, Damola, but I'm wondering, do you need more empathy? Do you need more um, rational thinking, more motive? You know, like what sort of characteristics? Yeah, so I guess you need to be curious first and foremost, regardless right, okay. of what kind of, I guess, planning or strategy you're in, you need to be curious. You need to want to know more about the consumer. You want to, what you want to, or you have to want to know more about that brand and how it works and what the problems are, what the opportunities are within it. And you've got to be able to understand how those two things come together. So curiosity is, a, I think, the, the kind of key component okay. of a strategy is how curious are you about brands? How curious are you about consumers? Those are two things that I think really help you. And then depending on what kind of agency you're in, like how curious are you about culture and how does culture inform the kind of strategy you... I'm glad you've jumped on this culture because... Mm -hmm. Let's not be around no bush, you know. It's quite homogenous advertising creative industry. Mm -hmm. It really is, right? Yeah. How's that hindered or how's that helped um, your your path? I mean, yes, I'm black. What? In the, yeah. <laughs> you might not be able to tell from my voice. I don't know. I mean, but I'm, a, I'm a black guy working in an agency that is full of white people. Mm -hmm. Fine. Um, it can either be perceived as a hindrance personally or... A huge advantage and I think I've always worked in white environments I went to school in in Kent yeah and you can imagine what that's like um, yeah. yeah I lived in in London and then moved to Kent and you can imagine what that's like I went to university and it's you know majority of white people I think what go to banking full of white people um I go to advertising full of white there's one common thread there I've always been a minority <laughs> so the way I see it is I understand how to operate in this environment. I don't forget the fact that I'm black, but I don't I don't allow that to be to be a precursor to, to the way I approach work. I approach work in the way that my personality allows me to. Right. And I, I, I think yes, part of that does come from my background. My personality is definitely you know, it's influenced by where I've come from. Yeah. Um, culturally. But I come into this and I go, Yeah, I'm black. And actually, that's a good thing because I can add some perspective to the work that we make here that isn't the same as everyone else's. I can offer an opinion that isn't necessarily shaped from the same place that everyone else has come from. Yeah. So I only see it as a positive thing. Are you given that space though? I don't think you need to, to, to be given the space yeah. to be who you are if you're in the right place. Okay. Is my personal opinion. And I've never felt like I had to either black up or, you know, become more anglicized and 
Caucasian in order to get by. I'm just doing things in the way that I feel I need to do them. Because, I mean, I've got issue with the, the notion of especially like cultural fit and whatnot, right? Yeah, I mean, everyone always goes diversity is great and it makes good business sense. In fact, statistically, you can see it. There's mm. been reports, even the, the newest one, the McKinsey report, has shown how diversity makes good business sense, right? And creativity output is so much better, I think mm. 35% higher in a more diverse work um, environment than none, right? Yeah. However, that being said, I tend to find that, you know, regardless of if you have diversity within a workforce it's all about assimilation to the culture of the actual brand i mean not brand the actual company mm -hmm. and so basically i'm always mm. trying to ask you challenges within you navigating this space so when anyone who is listening they can be like yo okay that's the realness that's the truth okay because you don't you don't get this you really don't get behind the you know right the okay doors. so you're a black person entering into the workplace mm -hmm. and you might be acutely aware that you are one of few black people in this place you can either step into the, this environment and go, I need to change in order to get through. Rise through those rungs or something like that. Or even just get through the day. Okay. Jeez. It's like, do I need to change the way I behave in order to get through the day? Not even to be successful. Do I need to change the way I interact with people in this place because they're white and I'm black just so I can get through the day? And... When people think that, like, oh man, should I have to change the way I behave in order to, to get by? Is it going to affect the way people perceive me? Is it going to be a hindrance to my progression? Is it going to be a hindrance to just making friends or things like that? And adapting or assimilating being perceived as a negative thing. And I go... It doesn't matter what environment you are in, whether it's work, outside of work, social setting, party, not party, whatever. Everyone changes the way they behave based on the environment they're in. Yeah. That's how humans have survived. Evolution requires us to adapt to our settings in order to survive. That is the only way humans have got to where they are right now. So assimilating, changing, adapting, whatever it is, or however it is we want to characterize this kind of behavior is absolutely necessary in order to survive and thrive. Right. Right. So the question is, how much does one have to change the way they behave in order to survive the day, to survive the career, to make it work for you? And how do you feel about that? I think is the question. And I go, well, if you went to a party and you step to you look at the people and you're like okay there are certain types of people in here there is no way in your mind you have not said i need to behave in a certain type of way to fit in here right it doesn't matter what it, everyone in that room can be black but i'm telling you you've definitely thought about what do i need to do in order to ingratiate myself with these people because that would be beneficial to me so I don't see there any, being any problem with doing the same thing when you enter into the workplace and you realize that one, we're different. And what difference means is that we have to find a way to communicate with each other better. And I go, actually, my, the only thing I want to be able to do, regardless of wherever I am, is communicate well enough for the other person receiving what I'm saying to understand exactly what I mean. Okay. So I, I get into BBH, I'm black. And I want to make sure that everyone in here that interacts with me understands the essence of who I am. Right. 
I don't want anything to get in the way of that understanding. I don't want them to go, this guy behaves or speaks or does things in a certain way before they understand what I say. So if I have to knock down a few barriers in order to make sure they understand what I'm saying, then I'll knock down those barriers mm. so they hear me loud and clear. And what I'm saying is not prejudiced by yeah. whatever their biases m- might be. And okay, fine, that might not be comfortable for some people. But when I've seen, I've seen certain things and I go, the main problem here is as a black person, we've not acknowledged the fact that there is, there is bias, unconscious or conscious bias yeah. in an environment. Without acknowledging that, there is no way that you can amend or adjust or adapt how you communicate so the other person properly understands you. So I'm like, all you need to understand are the basic principles of communication. You need to be understood. And whatever gets in the way of that understanding is not going to help you. So if you come into a place where people don't understand that a certain type of behavior is not threatening whatsoever, and you come in here and you, and you don't change, then they're not going to understand you. What they're going to encounter first is, a certain, is, is their own bias. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so you lead it to the understanding aspect. But I think from my perspective, and this is only me, I'm all about the value. So fine, you can understand me, but if you don't value my input, you don't value what it is I bring to the table, then I'm not going to feel great. I don't feel significant, do you know? So my blackness isn't something I wear on my shoulders. I know the ironies I've got at this podcast, mm, right? Mm. It genuinely isn't, but I don't, I don't shy away from it. I need to ensure that, you know, people, and I'm not saying you do, Damon, mm, because mm, of fact, mm. you've actually given an example that you don't shy away from it. But I need to make sure that you, they understand that actually the input in which my difference, my cultural references is bringing to the table is actually equally as valued yeah. in the mix. Yeah, yeah. So if someone doesn't feel comfortable in that space because they need to survive, mm then it almost, for me, feels like it's disingenuous. I don't know what... It's, it's difficult, you know? And this is a conversation that I guess we can always have to the nth degree and mm. there is no necessarily, you know, solution because each of their own in this case. Um, okay, so I want to actually just... But hold on, I, uh, I just want to go back to that because, please. I mean, the world is not perfect. People have prejudices and biases and I'm like, okay, fine. I don't care whether you as a white person opposite me probably cross the street or clutch your bag or whatever. I understand that. So what I'm going to do is not give you the opportunity to use that as an excuse to misunderstand me. I know all the value that I bring to the table and you will see the value that I bring to the table if you're able to do away with whatever prejudice or bias you bring to the table. Unfortunately, I've not, had, I've not encountered that here. Okay. I've not encountered that here because the thing that they value is your intelligence and your hard work. And you don't get through the doors if you don't if you haven't demonstrated that already. Mm. So it's like, it doesn't matter where where you come from. In fact, it matters that you're different because if you're not different, then you can't create work that is different enough to 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 do the work to cut that, through. Yeah. So they value that here, but I get it. There are people that that will go. It's really white here. Can I feel comfortable in this place, behaving the way or speaking the way or eating the food that I want to eat? Can I, can I bring jollof rice into, into the office? Everyone loves jollof rice. Yeah. That's not a fair example. Look, okay. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tell you, so when I was working in the bank, right. one day I brought Eba. Ooh, and, that's strong though. And, <laughs> and Epo into the, I was like, I'm, I'm going to eat my lunch. I don't Eba care. Though. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to eat my lunch. Look, 
the way you bring your haggis and whatnot into the room and eat it, I'm going to bring the food that I like to eat into the room and, and have that. Right. That's me bringing my blackness and my Nigerian culture right into your nostrils because you can smell that all over the office. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, I don't care. Right. But what I'll make sure I, I do is if it's in the front, so I'll explain. And what they don't get from me is they don't understand. Rah, 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 rah. I'm like, look, you want to have a taste? Cool. Yeah. Do you want to see what this is? Fine. I'll explain it to you. But I disarm them because I understand where their bias and prejudices might come, come from. So I have to address it because yeah. they're not going to address it. So I might address it by, you know. So you never see it confrontationally? No. And that's okay if it is. Okay, Damola. Well, geez, we can talk forever. So I want to almost just give it the free reign. Um, you've sort of explained what planning is. You explained the creative industry and the departments. Um, what's success for you? Like, what does success look like? Because I think I asked you a question last time, you know, um, and I was like, if money isn't an issue, you know, job security isn't an issue, <laughs> mm. what, what are you doing? What are you changing? What, what's like yeah what, what what is next because ideally if i do bring you on for part two which i hope to do and hopefully we can arrange time mm. in our diaries i almost want to check you on that what you said was next mm. the thing is in the time that you'll come back and say so how's it been going whatever i probably wouldn't have achieved what in my mind success means so you might have to come back in like 10 years okay what is that route what does that 10-year success plan look like um the moment you put it out there, it becomes real. Yeah, but to be honest, I think it'll probably change. By the time I get to 10 years, I'm like, actually, you know what, this is not what I want. But um, in 10 years, I don't know, I'd probably, I probably, I doubt I'll be working in advertising. I think I want the freedom to create things that aren't necessarily, that isn't necessarily communications. I'd like to, I'd like to create things. And I don't know what those things are. Okay. So unfortunately, no one who's listening can help you create things that you don't know what is. Yeah, so I mean, as I said, the, re the reason I end up in advertising is because I wanted to be more creative and that ambition hasn't disappeared. Right. Advertising allows me to be very creative in the context of a business. Yeah. Um, and I think that if the opportunity arose, I would make things that, that, that aren't communications, whether that is product, whether that is arts so photography is a huge passion of mine i work on lots of side projects outside of work that are photography based i throw it out there what's um, your uh, what's your photography handle uh, how can we see this uh, work you can go on my instagram if you want it's, okay. it's damola underscore t um so I, I i take photos but i like to help other people showcase their work so i curate exhibitions and um and kind of put other people's work out in the world i, I want to do more of that um, so success in 10 years will be doing more of those kind of things. Um, but I'm still stuck on this being black in the workplace thing. It's still on my mind because I think whenever this subject is very, very interesting, but also I think spiky because some people will be like, ah, oh, do you have to white up to be successful at work? Do you have to sell out to be successful at work? What does it mean being black or white? Blah, 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 blah. And let me tell you, I mean, I in this place, maybe there are, you know, maximum 10. Maybe more. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. How many staff? 
about 400 400 in this so building. there's in this building i would say okay let's say maximum 20 even okay that, right so right. 20 20 staff that are black out yeah. of 400 400 people okay and being black in the workplace for me has never been better mm. it's damn good because one i'm different two my difference is valued three i can be as black or as non-black as i want yeah, whatever that definition Whatever is that like. is, you know. I can adapt. And therefore, I can evolve and I can thrive. Um, one day, I can be walking in, and I did, in this really nice letterman jacket, baseball cap, jeans with a bit of a sag, some sneakers on. Could, could have been in a... You Going know, to a board meeting with Mars. Well, you know, like I could, I could, I could be meeting clients that day. I probably wouldn't dress that way if I was meeting clients because I, again, I don't want to allow their bias or prejudice if they have any. I'm not saying they do, but if they did, I don't want their perception of me to get in the way of what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't want them to hear me loud and clear and understand me, and I will take away anything that gets in the way of that. Yeah. But if I know I'm not meeting clients and I know everyone in here is cool because they are. I'll come in here looking like I might be in a, in a rap video and it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I certainly stand out. And that's never a bad thing if, it's, if you stand out for the right reasons and you're able to deliver. Because at the, at the very front of all of this is if you can't deliver the work, then... You're out. It doesn't... It, none, of, none of this, whether you're white, black, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you can deliver the work, you can be whoever you want to damn be. Do you see yourself as a role model within there? Because you, you've been here for quite a long while now, haven't you? I've been here like, yeah, two and a bit years. Not necessarily a role, role model. Maybe an example of what, you know, being black is. And being black in a different way, I think. Yeah. Actually. They're so internally they don't come to you, for once of a better word, a black check? No. Okay. No. Would that offend you if they did? No. Okay. I think I think it in certain circumstances, it's probably the right thing to do. Because no one here has necessarily, not, some people won't have the, the reference points and might want a different point of view, and that's fine. Okay. Um, and I think, so actually, just one more story. Internship program, it's fantastic here. Where people come in and spend six months to a year working. It's called Homegrown, isn't it? Homegrown, yeah. Yeah, Homegrown, okay. And you know, there's a guy that came in to work here as black Nigerian and I'm like cool that's good that people are getting the opportunity to come in here and work on merit alone this is not yeah. about we need to fill the quota no. yeah. it's like where he went through the process but he got here and didn't perform okay and not that he couldn't perform he didn't put the graft in didn't conduct himself in my opinion in the right way that and being just just lots of things but the things like that may or may not reinforce negative stereotypes there are those kinds of things as well flesh it elaborate because again if someone is listening it's almost like okay so these are the sort of things that i need to be aware of not necessarily saying to change but at least be aware of I, all i'm saying is when you're in a place <laughs> be serious about it okay. don't don't just because you get in doesn't mean you can suddenly just relax right. and just be anyway. Would you do that at home? No. Would you do that in, in a place where you're surrounded by friends with a project you really cared about? No. 
But if you're going to, you know, seek out an opportunity, knock on that door, get in, you need to understand where you are. And whether you see it as a negative thing or not, you might have to adapt just so people just... I want you to give me that story. What did he do? I mean, have you got specific stuff? I don't think he did anything specific. But he just didn't perform. But he didn't perform. And you know what? When everyone else around you is not black and you're the black person and you're coming at this in kind of like some kind of way, I mean... For me, that was disappointing. I was like, you get in, you work hard. You don't give anyone any reason to question your commitment and your ability. Because everyone knows if you're black, you have to do twice as much, if not more. So you do twice as much. You didn't even do half as much. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, here's someone who's received the opportunity and you just blocked it. And he's the only one, that, that cohort, that didn't get a job at the end of the the internship. And you know what? It wasn't about BBH. It wasn't BBH discriminating. It wasn't BBH looking at his, the colour of his skin and not giving him a job. It was him not doing what he needed to do to, you know, to, to prove that yeah. he deserved, deserved to be here. So there's a lot of times when I think opportunities, opportunities are granted, but those opportunities aren't met with the same enthusiasm as... The point before you actually got the chance to did you intervene in. just out of interest when i say i sent him an email oh, I email said, not said, like face to face i don't want to you know come across as that dude that's like yeah pull your socks up da, 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 da. no i sent him an email like look i heard that, that there's this project and you know there's are you getting properly involved are you doing this are you doing that nonchalant email but yeah no it's, everything's cool and i'm sitting there, I, I know everything's not cool but I'm saying, dude, look, great opportunity. Make sure you, you know, put in the appropriate effort because I think that you will really enjoy it here doing the things that you want to do. But you need to do so. And I would, have done, I would have done that for anyone who I, who I see and I think, you know, what? Yeah, I was going to say, do you, feel, do you feel response? I say not responsible, but do you feel... Because I'm someone who, I mean, even just my podcast, as you can tell, I'm someone who's all about trying to just send a left back down mm. so people can actually come up with me. Because you've heard the expression, mm. the rising tide lifts all ships. Mm. So if I do find myself in an environment where obviously I'm a minority and I see other minorities walk through those doors through their own merit and stuff, within the environment, I'm going to just try and ensure that they know that I'm someone that they can go to if they need to sort of navigate the space mm. to, you know, to ensure that they succeed. And I'm, you know, I'm unashamed to admit that I will happily be biased bet in that in a positive way just so if they aren't if they are slacking or whatnot i'm like listen this is this is what you may need to do in order to ensure that you know again successful within this environment this is just me personally yeah. i'm not trying to throw that on you yeah i um, mean i would help anyone regardless. And, I, and, I, and regardless sometimes you just feel like yeah actually you know what and I, I sh- if i was in that situation would i want someone like me to to help and i, I would so yeah i yeah, I would reach out, but I, I just feel like because there's a thing with blackness, isn't there? Like you know, if you are, it's almost like if one black person does something, then obviously everyone's got to be like that sort of thing. Whereupon, like if I'm and you know, I'm going to counter it with mm. with a white person does it, it's like, well, that was just Jim, that was just James. So that's why I feel like we've just almost got to be more united in our approach. I, th- I think there is a need for mutual support. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you see someone stepping out, regardless of whether it's in work or out of work, I think if you feel like you have the capacity to help, then yeah, it should definitely help. Um, I think that there is a duty to provide as much advice as you have the capacity to, 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 to you know, provide, mm-hmm. which is why I think this kind of thing is important. Um, and, you know, this, this kind of podcast is important. So yes, there is definitely a necessity to, to kind of help where you can. Yeah. So speaking of which, then I want to let's wrap this up. Mm-hmm. How can, if you do want my listeners to get in touch, to get more advice or guys as well, you know, I always ask you, if you, if there's any questions that you wanted Damola to answer and I didn't actually ask him or we didn't get into it in this conversation, by all means, do give me a shout. But I'm going to throw it back to you. How can they uh, get in touch if you want them to? LinkedIn, email, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, sorry. Twitter. Yeah, LinkedIn's called Damola Tameyan. That's D-A-M-O-L-A. Surname is T-I-M-E-Y-I-N. Um, or Twitter at Damola, so that's D-A-M-O-L-A. Um, what? That's it? You, yeah. got, you got that handle? Yeah, of course I did. How? I was the first. Fam! Yeah. Nah. Yeah, I've been on there since... They since, dot. Since well, you beat a test in it. Huh? Well, you won well, a thousand. I, I wish. No, no. I was, I was, I was on it for from a long time. Maybe 2007. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. when it started. Yeah, so I was on it real early, but that's how I'm old. Wow. <laughs> Damola um, Guad. Yeah. Okay. Um, but also, like generally, from a um, career point of view, BBH is probably the best place I've worked within this industry. And like I said, it, it values people that are it values people that are different. Yeah. It needs more people that are different, and it wants more people that are, are different, whatever that difference is. Um, so I would definitely encourage people. To, um, to look it up. To, yeah. It's, you can't go wrong with BBH. Yeah, it's, it's great. So guys, find him on LinkedIn, like the advice he gave, and, you know, ask him about it. Invite him for coffee, maybe cook him some jollof. You know, no ebba and egussi, though, because that's strong. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, once again, thanks very much for joining us. And please do comment, share, like, etc., etc. And if you want me to ask Damola, we're going to try and get him back around two. So stay tuned. Thanks again for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.